the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine. Now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes and GeoCities. This is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Featuring musical guest Sting. Oh, this was bound to happen. Canadian Music Week moved. And that's not all. We look at the impact coronavirus is having on the music industry with legendary manager Jake Gold of the Tragically Hip. Plus, alternative greetings now that COVID-19 has killed the handshake. Get ready for some uh, finger and footy gymnastics. (laughs) Wait, what? And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. So we got a credible suggestion that we use the Star Trek Live Long and Prosper as an alternative to the handshake. I saw that. Uh, Uh, And I've been practicing. (laughs) No, don't give me that nonsense. You're not practicing. You don't need to practice. No, that's true. I just uh, can do both hands, actually. (laughs) Oh, a little hard. No, there we go. I can do them. Yeah, maybe. An attending physician at a closed-door meeting of the U.S. House Democratic Caucus uh, had suggested that instead of handshakes, people could use the Live Long and Prosper sign. Not the first to suggest it. Health advocates and tech, uh, Trek fans have already been suggesting this. Have you seen the alternatives uh, making the rounds as well, including the elbow bump? Yes. I got a couple of elbow bumps. The bow. The bow, very Japanese, yes. There's something called the Y, which right. is you put your hands in, this is a Thai thing, you put uh-huh. your hands in a prayer position with your right. elbows uh, perpendicular to your body, and then bow your head. And then there's the Italian one, apparently, where you tap the side of your shoe against the other guy's side of the shoe. Oh, that's... <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's kind of got like a German oompa feel to it right there. Uh, it does. That's, I've never heard or seen that. Okay. So I, 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 of course, am not doing any conferences right now. I'm not doing any speaking engagements. And so there's a loss of revenue associated with that, as you very much know. All, all mine have been canceled. But on the flip side, what I have been finding is that um, many of these clients that I work with are now shifting to video production and online webinars and podcasting. So I've lost some business, but I've made it up elsewhere. Yeah. I, in fact, I have a podcast uh, client that might be coming online in the next week. Excellent. Good for you. Uh, so at geeksandbeats.com, Amber Healy, Krista Sampson, and Vanessa Azoli put together this extensive list of all those bands all around the world, and particularly here at home in Canada, who have pulled the plug or suspended their plans for for live music. I I, I think we're just sort of taking a step back and regrouping, and I don't think we're the world is going to come up for air for not three months, but three weeks. Oh, the kids went on March break as of this week. Yeah. And in Ontario, anyway, in many places around the world, they canceled school for the two subsequent weeks because they couldn't trust the jackass parents who insisted on taking their kids on vacation and dragging them around the world, not coming home and infecting all the other children. So school's out for three straight weeks. And any parents who's going to have to suffer through three straight weeks of their kid being at home is definitely going to be ready to go back to work and shake a bunch of hands after that experience. Well, I, I was talking to somebody who uh, went to the LCBO and said, how have things been? And they said, things are fine. She goes, you know that they just announced that schools will be closed for an additional two weeks. And the woman behind the counter got all panicky. And she goes, oh, my God, we're going to get slammed. 
Oh yeah, it's it's absolutely brutal. I, I have a friend of mine; she's got four kids, Ugh. you know, and has relied on three of them being at school uh, for most of the time. And now they're all going to be at home, and they're all going to be monkeys. And I, I, my kid, at least, is old enough to sort of take care of herself while Daddy does the work work. Hmm. But uh, something tells me I'm not going to be doing as much work as I had expected through the month of March. Well, I was looking at my calendar ahead, and and I had the meetings, I had dinners, I had uh, uh, a couple of speaking things, all gone, mm-hmm. all canceled. joked about being a member of the Wuhan clan when you got sick a little while back. Did you get tested? Was it coronavirus? Are you under no, lockdown? It was It was a minor, minor cold. My wife had a, a major cold, but it seems to have passed. Both of us are very healthy. We've been you know, self-isolating and uh, not self-isolating, uh, self-distancing. Uh, and there hasn't been any trouble whatsoever. I continue to go to the gym. We've been to the grocery store. I went to Costco yesterday. Everything is, is, is fine. Um, and we're just, you know, washing our hands and not touching our faces. Yeah, the kinds of things that we were told when we were children we shouldn't be doing and dealing with. Well, that, that's that's it. Yeah, it's <laughs> just just basic kindergarten hygiene. Right. But as the whole world grinds to a halt because of coronavirus, we wanted to get some insight into what this means for the music industry, and we can use history as an example to a degree, I suppose, because when you look at the impact SARS had on the global economy almost twenty years ago, it was almost a hundred billion dollars. Yeah, this is, uh, I've been, well, last week, things were changing minute by minute, and I I spent four days writing a column for Global News, because every time I submitted a draft, something happened that it had to have me go back and re-edit it. We're having the same problem at geeksandbeats.com. Amber Healy, Krista Sampson, and Vanessa Azoli have been putting together a collection of all those things that have been kiboshed in the music industry, courtesy of COVID-19. So... What happened back with SARS back in the, the, the 90s or so? It was the 90s, wasn't it? No, no, it was 2003. What happened back in 2003 with SARS, and what lessons did we learn there that we're applying today as the music industry grapples with COVID-19? Joining us is Jake Gold, longtime manager of the Tragically Hip and the co-chair of Canadian Music Week. Jake, thank you for joining us. Oh, hey, guys. Nice to be here, I guess. I mean, <laughs> it's, 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 it's great that we have this technology because uh, we couldn't actually all be in the same room together. I've been watching all the daytime, all the nighttime TV shows. There's no audiences. I saw Bill Maher on Friday night, and all he had was his writers in the audience. It's just so surreal. It, it, it's, it's really surreal. And, um, uh, you know, I, it's funny because I remember the whole SARS thing. I mean, remember, this is a SARS-type virus. It's just got a different name. But um, I remember the SARS thing, and I don't remember it being like this. No, I remember there being shows canceled in Toronto. I think Elton John canceled a show. I think Billy Joe canceled a show. Um, but it was basically restricted to Singapore, Hong Kong, and, and Toronto. Uh, not like not like this. Well, this is very different this time around. You're the co-chair of Canadian Music Week, and you've got news on that front. Yeah, well, Canadian Music Week um, is being moved to, from, to September 8th to 13th. Um, the announcement uh, came out on Monday morning and um, and we're, you know, it's 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 appropriate. I think everyone was waiting to find out when the when it would be announced. Uh, it made no sense 
um, to have it in May. I think that, um, you know, uh, I, I can't speak for them, but it'll, it's all in the press release. Um, there's 10 of us that are co-chairs this year, as opposed to back when Alan and I were co-chairs with George Strombolopoulos. It was just the three of us. So, um, <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, it made, it makes sense. And I think that's kind of, um, what's happening with the whole industry is we're seeing it just, you know, all these cancellations and then everything's just sort of shifting. I suppose that's encouraging, though, because it means that it's still going to happen, just not as, as early as first thought. So this isn't lost revenue for, you know, businesses, et cetera. This is delayed revenue. Well, no, it is lost revenue because they were going to have that revenue anyways. Um, so every, if everything's moved, you know, let's look at uh, the Sheraton Hotel. They, you know, they had everyone coming in May. They were going to have business in September. Um but now they're not going to get all that business in May. Uh, I, I wouldn't say for a second it's it's delayed revenue. I think the some of the shows that maybe people bought tickets for that can get moved. But you know the everyday touring act that needs to be on the road all the time to pay pay their bills and keep their crew going and people behind the scenes like in my business and agents and everybody else. There there's going to be there's a big hit here. A big, giant hit. Well, we, we could see it snowball. I mean, uh, first South by Southwest, then Coachella, uh, then uh, the Pearl Jam Tour, for example, was also canceled. Uh, then a bunch of other festivals around the world were canceled. Then a whole bunch of conferences were canceled in Los Angeles and Miami and um, Las Vegas and elsewhere. So you could see that this was just, you know, it, it, the panic or let's call it the abundance of caution just began to... Um, Feed upon itself. So now nobody wants nobody wants to be the epicenter, the new epicenter of, of, of an outbreak. And nobody wants to have legal exposure for anything like that. So it's, you can't blame anybody. Well, I will tell you, though, two, three weeks ago, you know, um, I sit on the board. I'm the v vice uh, president of the MMF, the Music Managers Forum. I'm also the vice chairman of Canadian Independent Music Association. And, you know, all of my colleagues two, three weeks ago were all, you know, dealing with cancellations in Europe and tours being canceled and rescheduling and all of that stuff. So this just didn't happen this week or last week. It's been going on for some time, especially in Europe, where bands were on tour and being told, you know, your next shows are not happening. You need to come home and stuck there where bills have already been paid. Flights have been paid for. And these are acts that depend on these shows happening to make a living. Yes, they may be rescheduled, but, you know, getting availabilities, you know, let's say it starts to open up. Remember, we book our shows way in advance. So it starts to open up. Uh, but then everybody else is going to want to play in those in that time period. So you may not be able to reschedule all your shows for nine months from now or 10 months from now. That's, that's a big hit for a lot of people, including the crew and everybody else that depends on it. You're seeing it happen. Look at, look at what's happening in sports where all these people that work in all these arenas don't have work. And some of the players are stepping up to help pay their bills. Yeah, Mark Cuban uh, actually said that he was going to pay his part-time people in, uh, in Texas. So walk us through what happens when a concert gets canceled, regardless as to the, the, the reason behind it. What's the mechanism in place? How does it play out and, and where does it go from here? 
Well, there's, there's a couple of ways. So first of all, there's a difference between being canceled and being postponed. So if something's postponed, like what they're doing at South By, they're saying, we're not going to give you refunds for your registration, but you can use that registration for 2021 or 2022 or 2023, your, your choice. So uh, Ultra Music Fest in Miami isn't giving refunds. They say, you know, we're, we're postponing it till next year because they can only do it in that same time period. So anybody who bought tickets this year has tickets for next year. But that has nothing to do with the people that bought flights to go to it, the people that, you know, rented hotel rooms. Hopefully they can get their hotel rooms back. I know the airlines are being, uh, at first, not all the airlines were on board with cancellations. Now they're being a little bit more generous. Um, so... Whereas on a cancellation where something's just outright canceled, the public gets their money back. But, you know, that doesn't account for all the money already spent on the show. So, so what does an artist who needs to tour just to put food on the table and to pay their rent? What are they going to do for the next three, four months? Well, that's that's the million dollar question or the multi-million dollar question, because a lot of those acts are depending on it. Um, I know that. um one of the things we're seeing across the board, we just saw it in Germany, where the government said, you know, there's going to be applications that you can get money if you're, you know, being put out. And I know that like Factor has has stepped up. Um, they've put something on their website for Canada. Same with Radio Star Maker, where most of these funding agencies are going to continue to fund the tours, even if they don't happen, they're going to give you the money that was coming to you. But that doesn't account for the profit tours. And those people, there's going to be mechanism. I mean, it's a, it's a big thing because most industries will come in and ask for a bailout. But you've never heard of the arts industries coming for a bailout because no one thinks of it that way. But it's a big industry that generates a lot of money. And apparently there's bills being put forward in Congress um, in the U.S., for, for bailouts for the arts industry. I mean, when you think about Broadway being shut down, which generates billions of dollars a year, and all the amphitheaters and arenas that book shows uh, and all those festivals. So it looks like we're, we're gonna get a, a, a piece of that, that money that's coming in, and it's just we're just waiting to find out how it's gonna work. It sounds like we can't turn to SARS of 2003 for guidance as to how things are going to unfold from here because we've never had anything like this. No. The idea that technology's allowed us all to now work from home, especially in our business. And, you know, I've always, you know, recent, in the last two years, I, I have a home office and I work from home. So it's, that's not an unusual thing, but that's not the same as, as the touring musician. And what happened with SARS, like Alan said, it was isolated in a few cities, but it, it's not like this, where it's like, you know, Chicago announced uh, the other day, that everything's being shut down. I think we're a day or two away from Toronto being said the same. New York's already there. You know, uh, we know that Italy and Spain and France are all shut down. Australia now? Yep. So we're going to see it everywhere. And and uh, we're just going to have to hunker down and, and get through it. But, you know, everything I've been reading has been saying that, you know, we're at that point now. If you look at the data from the countries where it did already spread, 
is that we're at we're at a critical stage now where this is the time where we have to you know exhibit social distancing and you know not infect other people because we're at the the stage where we could potentially you know soften the curve um, as they like to say so we're all having to do our part Jazz Bistro sent out something saying, you know, we're going to shut down until further notice. Some people are saying, oh, for a couple of weeks. I, I don't see it as a couple of weeks. I think hopefully May, June. And then you've got that knock-on effect uh, where people are still reluctant to get back up to speed. So when Canadian Music Week says forget May, September is more likely, that seems to be more in the time frame that we're hearing, generally speaking, that even economically speaking, we're not going to come out on the other side of this until at least the fall. Well, keep in mind, Europe generally shuts down for the month of August anyways. <laughs> no, it, it does. Yes. There's, there's no touring in Europe in August. There's very few festivals, right? That's vacation time for Europeans. Nobody works that time of year. So they may just say, you know, let's just put it off to the fall and everyone come back to work in the fall and have a long summer off. And I, I, I think that may be the way we're going here. How do you think these draconian measures and they're necessary how do you think that they're going to affect the music industry going forward is this going to give you know virtual reality and con virtual reality concerts a big boost or or is it going to take a while before people trust crowds enough to go back into a festival situation or a big concert situation well i i actually think um knowing how people want to gather because even now um you know, there's a lot of talk about uh, young people still going out and partying. Someone posted on Twitter the other day of a, a, a bar in Nashville that was packed with a band on stage and people saying, you know, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> like, this is insane. You shouldn't be doing this. Now, you got to understand that most of Nashville watches Fox News, which says that this is all hoax. Oh, no, no, you can't. You can't. You, you, come on. <laughs> I'm not going to go political. I'm not going to go because if I do, we'll spend another two hours here. So <laughs> okay. I suspect that virtual reality isn't going to suddenly become the way that everybody experiences a concert. But as we've seen in the corporate world, uh, moving and you look at the stock price of Zoom, the uh, the video conferencing company, video conferencing is becoming that much bigger of a thing. Companies that were reluctant to move into telecommuting are now saying this is what we're going to do. There's a lot of talk about this virus changing the way we do business do you see it changing the way we make music well not make music but maybe perform music there is a bunch of platforms where artists can you know perform in their living rooms um for art for people and people can like tip put put money in a tip jar and stuff like that it's like twitch yeah um there was there was i remember this guy had a system years ago he was pitching it and you know artists would literally with acoustic guitar sit in their living room in their bedrooms or their living rooms performing shows um i don't it's still not the same thing i also think you know once um this thing you know passes over um because you know all the all the the data shows that at some point it will end. Um, I think people will be going crazy to go out. And I think everybody will want to be at shows. Remember, just remember in Toronto, the SARS show, half a million people showed up for that. 
That's where I was going next. How long until we get a SARS relief style concerts? And what do you think that looks like? Because I can't imagine we're not going to get one. Yeah, once it's safe. I mean, I, I don't even remember. I'm trying to remember when with the SARS thing, because actually I was working. That was the first year I was on Canadian Idol and Sass Jordan. I was working with Sass. She was on the show, but she actually played the SARS show. And I remember with being Jeff there. Lee. Yeah, I, I remember being at the show and spending all the time there. But I don't remember um, at what point. I mean, Alan, maybe you guys, maybe the two of you will remember when it became sort of safe to go out. Because I don't even remember being quarantined like this. Oh, no. Um, we were still we, doing our TV show with a oh, with a live audience. Oh yeah, there were there were no bands on li uh, large gatherings or anything like that because you know basically to 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 get SARS, you had to go into the ICU, find somebody with the disease, and give them a good long French kiss before you can get infected. Uh, this is a lot different. So I, the, I, I remember with with SARS in Toronto and the concerts, it was a there was more fear than anything else. The fear trumped facts. Uh, by a factor of a, of a billion because people were just afraid that Toronto was this epicenter of, of, of all kinds of disease. And it wasn't because there weren't that many cases. They were confined to the ICU. And like I said, you pretty much had to go and lick the person's nose before you can get sick. And once again, it really this did, not, not to diminish this, but it did really affect older people who were more susceptible, had lower immune systems, so on and so forth. Some of the stats I'm hearing is like 70% of the population is going to have it. It's just not everyone's going to die for it. It's that, you know, they were, <laughs> someone was joking online and not in a, not in a good way that, you know, it, it's got a 2% fatality rate and someone said okay great two percent of the american population well you know there's six million people you know yeah. it's like that's a lot of people right so well it explains why the u.s federal reserve out of nowhere over the weekend cut the cost of borrowing money to zero percent we're at 0.75 and i expect another rate cut soon so oh but by the time this conversation makes it to air i wouldn't be surprised absolutely I'm refinancing my mortgages. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Switching the uh, the conversation to radio for just a second. Um, I, my biggest client is Chorus, and we have made all kinds of changes as to how we're doing business. For example, if you're running a talk show, no live guests in the studio anymore. Everything has to be done uh, via Skype or the phone. If you are a listener and you win some concert tickets, uh -uh, we will mail you the tickets. No more in-person pickups. Uh, people in, in the buildings are being segregated where possible or being asked to work at home. I mean, well, you can email tickets anyways to people. Well, you can, but picking them up was crazy in the first place. Well, yeah, but well, this well, is yeah. where I was getting where I was going with the, the question about making music, because in a similar vein, you know, I know television newsrooms are a cesspool for <laughs> viruses because of all the shared keyboards, all the shared microphones, all that shared equipment. Well, not, not only that, because, you know, it, it, as broadcasters, you were expected to show up. And that was my next point, which was in, in the industry, it's got a, a, a maxim that goes, if you're sick, show up. If you're dead, bring a doctor's note. So you've got an industry where people are going to show up for work sick and they're going to spread it to other equipment. And while I don't know about that maxim applying to the music industry, I can only imagine imagine that the shared equipment is something that is common in that industry as well. So recording engineers are going to have to stock up on Purell? 
Well, it's interesting you say that because most of the acts that I work with, and for many, many years, a lot of the acts I worked with all carried their own microphones. Yeah. You know, it was really? just, yeah, it was just something they did. Yeah, your average band playing the horseshoe probably doesn't, but I know the acts that I work with, when they get up on stage, they plug their own mics in and always have. And would the same be the case in the recording studio? Uh, well, a recording studio, no, because in a lot of cases, you know, you're using some Nauman mics that are four or five thousand dollar microphones. You're probably uh, you're probably back to what you said, wipes, pur Purell, that kind of thing. Um, it's different than a handheld mic, most recording studio mics, because you're standing in front of it. You're not actually touching it. You know, whereas, you know, when you're on stage, you're generally, uh, especially if you're the lead singer, you're generally holding the mic. Um, I don't, I, I mean, I, I, I've heard um, different things. Maybe you can tell me if this is true or not. I've heard this isn't airborne. And then someone told me yesterday it was airborne. I, I heard yesterday that it was airborne. Okay. So... Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to be getting up on stage for a little while, although... Oh, look at this. I just got a, uh, an email from a conference I was supposed to speak at in Gdansk, Poland in May. Uh, hi, Alan. For the safety of our attendees and a connection with the cancellation of mass events announced by the Polish Prime Minister, we have decided to change the dates of InfoShare 2022 September. Captain and coffee! There you go. Just when, when, it, when in September did they pick the same time as Canadian no. music? Well, they can't because the Poli Poland is one of the featured countries at this year's Canadian Music Week. Cabbage rolls and coffee. was the original plan it was like yeah. can they come to canada at, in the in in may and then we go there all right i got an update for you check the internet uh, so you know it's true uh, according to marketwatch.com as of friday it did not appear to be an airborne virus in the same vein as measles or chicken pox oh, okay well that's good according to a professor and vice chairman of internal medicine at mcgovern medical school in houston texas okay we'll take that it's a virus that travels in droplets this is very good news with an airborne virus one person could infect the whole room Right. So that's what, see, that's what I said to this person yesterday and they insisted it was airborne and I didn't want to get into an argument with them because at that point it didn't matter. You know, <laughs> I was getting my hair, yeah, I was getting, I was getting my hair cut and someone in the other chair was like, oh. no, it's airborne. I'm like, oh, fuck. All right. All right. Well, here's, here's, here's part two. Oh, okay. Airborne transmission is plausible according to a study, but the study has not been peer reviewed. And researchers concluded that the virus could remain airborne for up to three hours post-aerosolization. Yeah, so that's what this person said, up to three hours. Hence the social distancing uh, order by government officials. Yeah, I guess it's just better we all stay home. So uh, Yeah, well, yeah. or do what the Italians are doing. Did you see that video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. They're all performing music on their balconies. Yeah, that's kind of kind of cool. <laughs> you got to have balconies, though. They all have balconies. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 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 
Yeah, that's not going to work in downtown Toronto in Liberty Village at 25 stories up. <laughs> you know what? That, yeah, or, or uh, around uh, the, the uh, Rogers Center, you know, with all those, uh, whatever they call that place. The whole entertainment district. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, people on the balconies just doing a, a concert for everybody. You know, maybe that's our, our, our equivalent of Starstock. Everybody just gets out in their balcony and starts singing. <laughs> I don't know if I want to hear that. Uh, in Italy, it, there's something there's something cool about that. Um, yeah. hear it here but um but you know i guess you know the 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 thing is 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 it it's going to have far-reaching effects i'm concerned about a lot of businesses um restaurants some restaurants i've heard are voluntarily closing down they think it's their duty i've been seeing that on twitter um I wouldn't be surprised if it all happens. I have friends that are you know restaurant workers they don't know what they're going to do um so the bars start to shut down. The working bands who play those bars won't be playing. All those bar staff. Some of these places, like, they get shut down for a couple of months. They go out of business. And I think, I think that's, that's going to have the more far-reaching effects. Um, you know, we'll see what happens in the next few months. How are these people going to stay in business if they don't have cash flow coming in on a regular basis? Jake Gold is a longtime manager of the Tragically Hip and the co-chair of Canadian Music Week. He joined us self-isolating in Toronto. <laughs> Thanks again. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. David McKinnon, uh, listening back to uh, last week's episode on how music is going to change forever thanks to MIDI 2.0, wrote into us at geeksandbeats.com saying it's an amazing episode he shared with several of his musician, educator, and musician friends. Nice. Thank you. I, we've done a public service then. Also agrees that Star Trek Picard way better than Avenue 5. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Funnily, funnily enough, my wife and I had a flip. She was all into Picard and not so much into Avenue 5. I was the exact opposite, and then this past week we flipped. You going to bring her in here and explain herself? No. <laughs> Get, guess what happened over the course of the weekend? Uh, what? The Geeks and Beats podcast surpassed one million downloads. And how many years did it take? <laughs> it only took six. <laughs> <laughs> and about 238 episodes or so? Okay, well, at least, listen... A million downloads is nothing to sniff at. No. And we could actually go to, you know, if we if we had to go to a, a network, we could at least say that we had a million downloads. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at it right here. It's 340 episodes. We've done oh. 340 episodes. We have? Holy crap. That's a lot. That is a lot. And one of the things that's keeping us going is the listeners sharing us with others. And uh, one way of building an audience in a podcast world is to appear on other podcasts. Yes. And earlier today, I appeared on the We As Dads podcast with Scott Kelly. <laughs> okay, and how'd that go? For two 
hours and 40 minutes. That's a long podcast. I'm, I was blown away. We got towards the end of it. I'm like, I have no idea if anybody's still listening, but by all means, keep asking me questions. Okay. It was a fascinating conversation about the evolving world of a parenthood through the eyes of fathers and the evolving relationship that fathers have with their children. And one of the points that I made, and I think you can back me up on this, uh, is that our parents, your parents specifically, but also my parents, because you're about 12 years older than me, my parents were the first teenagers. Mm, yes. Okay. Prior to that, you didn't have a teenager. You had someone who was 15 who was now working in the coal mine. Yes. You had, you know, you didn't have childhood. Children were considered seen and not heard. And so my parents grew up in a world where their parents had no idea what to make of this new demographic called the teenager and how to raise children as contributing members of society versus just more creatures, more mouths to feed, which seems to be the sense of the previous generation. So I think you were kind of straddling that line as well. Yeah, you know, I think so. Because I guess you're technically a boomer, right? Technically, just like I'm in that no man's land between the two. Right, but you you weren't going to sock hops and all of that no, kind of stuff no. as the first teenagers were. So it was an interesting conversation about how we we're seeing an evolution of fatherhood now that we as the as the children of the first teenagers recognize what our parents were wholly unqualified to do which was <laughs> raise us yes. because they themselves didn't have positive role models in which to raise them okay so we talked about that for two hours and 43 minutes mm, okay uh, what's the name of the podcast again we as dads okay it's a, it's a podcast up. franchise they're building it starts off as as we as men and it's talking about the evolution of men amongst each other and one of the guys who's in that podcast group scott kelly said you know i want to do my own show we as dads and talk about the evolution of fatherhood and to me it's a fascinating conversation because i've, I've never had a better job in my life hmm. but uh the whole intent was to go on his show and maybe that gets us more listeners well, that's it. I do the same sort of thing with Ongoing History and a few others Yep. Uh, where we promote each other's things. We also talked about the fact that we have the world's worst intern program at geeksandbeats.com. What makes it the world's worst is you pay us to work on the show. One dollar an episode. Don't do any actual work and can't take any credit. All we do is say thank you at the end of each show. We want to say thank you to James Holmes, who on our Patreon page more than doubled his dollar per episode contribution as it interned to $2.50 per episode. Well, we'll take it wherever we can get it. There you go. So we, for March, the summary reads, up $1.50 in pledges. That's fantastic. We're now pulling in about 54 bucks an episode. Well, what will that do for us? Well, at some point, it'll pay off CES 2020. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's just... Let's just project ahead. It's kind of like that little note on your credit card bill that if you pay the minimum amount, you will pay off this entire bill. In 28 years. Oh, yeah. I got 179 years, 30 months. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's just bonkers. Yeah, stupid. 
Uh, so we want to say thank you to uh, all the patrons on Patreon.com who joined us by going to GeeksandBeats.com. Click the Support the Show link. And among those uh, members, we want to say thank you to Adrian Bashford, Dan Rosen, uh, Rosen uh, David S., Don Woodle, Mark Wagnall, Sean Jate, uh, Sheila Mann, uh, Tim Heron, TJ Webb, and uh, Walter McVean. And on uh, PayPal, which is an alternative way to support us with a recurring payment, Scott Coates, Craig Minnett, Christopher Hazen, Helen Murray, Cameron Galbraith, and uh, Kevin Button, Chris Kite, among others. Thank you very much. Yes, we really appreciate the support. A million listeners. Mm. I just looked at my ongoing history. Oh, oh I, now you're just going to embarrass me. Okay, sorry. I won't tell you the numbers. <laughs> but it's 7.6 million times higher. Or 7.6 times higher. Thanks for that. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter, Facebook, and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.